0: You're listening to the Faith Made Welcome Podcast, a progressive podcast of faith where we look at Christianity from a progressive Baptist tradition. This podcast is brought to you by Commonwealth Baptist Church in Alexandria, Virginia. So whoever you are, wherever you are, or whatever you think about faith, you're welcome here. Please let us know what you think about our podcast by subscribing to it or by sharing it with someone who may be looking for a podcast like this and we would love to hear your feedback. So please leave us a comment or question on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. Let's get started.
1: So in true Faith Made Welcome fashion, we are recording yet another episode in an entirely different configuration. Um, So here we go with episode, what is this? 16. 16. Very nice. All right.
2: 16. Um,
1: And we have a new sort of cast of characters today. Um, So on today's podcast, we have... Pastor Robin, co-pastor of Commonwealth Baptist Church. Yes. Awesome. So it's good to have one of our pastors back in the midst, uh, like last week. Always. Uh, And then, of course, we have two regulars. Uh, myself, uh, Sherry Spiegel, deacon at the church, and...
3: Paul Fitzgerald, neither pastor nor deacon (laughs) at the church. Uh, I've been been adopted by the church, though, so (laughs) happy to be here once again. Mm -hmm. And we have two guests.
1: We do, we do. Our first guest, coming to us on Zoom. Hey, I'm
2: Casey Pick. I've been a member of Commonwealth Baptist for several years now, and uh, glad to be here. Great. Yeah.
1: And Casey's also the chair of our finance committee. So that's important for us, right?
2: Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes musician. Sometimes musician and frequently causing people to ask y'all for money these days. (laughs) So (laughs) please support the church. (laughs) Yep,
1: Support Casey in her efforts.
3: Uh
2: Um, Yeah. And
1: then uh, back on our podcast, uh, this fellow was on our Halloween episodes. Mm -hmm. Who else do we have?
0: Uh, We have Eric Spiegel. Uh, member of the church on council, sometimes tech support.
1: Mm -hmm. Last time he was on, he introduced himself as my man friend.
0: Man friend,
3: man friend, man friend friend
1: to Sherry Spiegel. Mm -hmm. Indeed, he is. Um, cool. So, we have a nice cast of characters, uh, for our first uh, real jump into Advent. Um, and the first week of Advent, as though, uh, we'll pretend as though we just lit a candle. And that the name of that candle is hope. So today's episode is really about hope. Um, so hope is such a big topic, right? Uh, Paul and I have recorded on our own podcast a whole episode on hope. So mm-hmm. we're going to sit back and really dig in and hear what the three <laughs> of you have to say about hope. Um so I'm kind of interested for Casey and Eric, when y'all were first asked to be on a podcast for the church about hope, what were the first things that went through your heads thinking, oh, hope, hope, were you excited about hope?
2: So hope in 2020 was <laughs> going to be a challenge, I thought, uh-huh. uh, but it was also something that I um, I spend my days as a professional act- activist uh, mm-hmm. working for LGBTQ rights. So it's something that I've spent the last year really trying to think about how am I going to give this particular community hope and what does that look like? Mm-hmm. And really, I've been relying on one particular quote that sticks with me that makes it so that hope doesn't have to be this saccharine thing. It's not sugary. It's not pie in the sky. Um, hmm. It's a quote by uh, Saint Augustine that says, hmm. "Hope has two beautiful daughters, hmm. and their names are anger and courage. Anger at the way things are, encouraged not to let them stay the way they are. So the fact that hope is the foundation for feelings of anger, that those things can be related, hmm. is something I think is very fitting to 2020. Hmm. And similarly, courage being something that comes from that hope and that knowledge that things should be." different or better than the way they are. So that's the kind of hope I was thinking of when y'all invited me onto this party.
4: Nice. Casey just preached a sermon. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Yeah. How about you, Eric? Uh,
0: well, when you asked me to be on this episode about hope, I had, you know, a mild panic attack. Um, <laughs> I tend, I like, historically, I tend not to be a very hopeful person. You know, I'm. I find myself to be very cynical, very pessimistic in a lot of ways in my life. So I think it'll be interesting to kind of. I'm interested to see maybe what ideas might spring forth from what y'all all b- bring about talking about hope.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you don't naturally see yourself as being hopeful.
0: No, not usually. So,
3: uh, so can can hope and cynicism coexist? I, don't
1: know.
0: I think. I think there's like a, there has to be like a healthy balance because, because you have to be hopeful for um, things to change. You have to be hopeful for progress, but you also have to be realistic and pragmatic. And I think that's where the cynicism kind of comes in. Mm hmm.
4: Mm hmm. Yeah. Do do you think maybe, Eric, that has something, there might be something there about the difference between hope and optimism? I mean, Um,
0: Sure. I mean, it's like, hmm, I don't know. Optimism I always have trouble with, too. So maybe
2: that's... (laughs) Yeah. No, but, I mean, optimism is just that that idea that you're going to look at things through the best possible light or you're going to find a bright side in things. Mm -hmm. And I think optimism can sometimes be forced. Mm -hmm. Um, The thing about hope is you've got to have good judgment about what you're putting your hope in. Mm -hmm. Like, what are you hoping for? Mm -hmm.
1: So, I mean, one of the things that's interesting, like we can, we can say, well, is this connected to optimism? Is this related to cynicism? But one of the things I think is interesting is so Eric, isn't a person that's hopeful necessarily, but I don't see you as being a person who's negative. So how do you like, do you see yourself as being positive, even in the midst of not having a hopeful spirit,
0: I think, I think the positivity and perhaps the optimism can come in terms of broader things like, um, like the kind of general anxiety, like are things going to be okay? Like generally speaking, yeah, I think they are.
5: Mm-hmm. You know
0: how it's going to get there. It's going to be a bumpy road. You know whether you're talking about big global issues or small. Uh, little things in life, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's kind of hopeful. Yeah, I yeah. suppose so. Yeah, that's hopey. Yeah, that's hopey. That's Yeah, yeah, but yeah, that's fair. Yeah. How about you, Robin? Like we talked a little bit last week uh, about your thoughts on hope, but
4: where do you? We did. Yeah. Um, and I—I I mean, I probably said most of this last week, but I—I I think that there. I I think having that pragmatism that Eric is talking about, um, might be necessary to be able to experience hope as opposed to optimism. Um, because I think kind of like Casey was saying with, you know, the two sisters, our anger and courage Mm -hmm. daughters, Mm -hmm. two daughters Mm -hmm. are that of, of hope. Um, Are that in order to, in order to be hopeful about something, you have to see what's not right in it already, Mm -hmm. right? That if, if you, if you are seeing everything through, um, you know, rose tinted glasses, there's no need for hope because everything's already great and hunky dory. Um, and I think that's where I'm landing with hope this year with 2020 Mm -hmm. is that, anybody who's not like willingly putting on some crazy blinders mm-hmm.
5: can see mm-hmm. that
4: things are not what they should be or what they could be right now mm-hmm. um and so we are at a place I think to become hopeful people because hopefully instead of just getting bitter and completely defeated about all that is not well or right or good right now we can have some hope Mm -hmm. that these things will work out themselves out um, or that we can be a part of helping working some of them out Mm -hmm.
2: i think that's the the where that comes into the relationship to cynicism or even a nihilism but a hopeful people will look at a world that has problems in it and say, no, this is not the way it is it's supposed to be. And that knowledge of it's supposed to be otherwise, you only have that knowledge if you have hope in something better. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So that's the part that really makes you want to take action.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: It's that, that bedrock sense of it's supposed to be differently. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an expression of hope. And that's the activist
4: speaking there. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. going to ask,
1: like, Casey, do you think activists... How, like what what do you think the activist relationship with hope is do you think activists have to keep hope is it essential for activism to
2: to keep going yeah otherwise you're going to burn out mm-hmm. uh, you have to have that sense that the arc of the moral universe is long but it bends towards justice mm-hmm. if you don't have that sense that there's a justice out there that you can get to then you can't get out of bed in the morning so but i find it even in the tough times like we're in now i do find it easy to look around and find the things that will give me further hope and further reason to keep going Mm -hmm. that you can find those uh, moments of light and darkness
3: yeah i was gonna say surely surely hope uh waxes and wanes even within the most uh hopeful hopeful of us Mm -hmm. you know i mean some days you gotta be feeling a little bit more than others. So, you know, my question was gonna be, what do you do as an activist when you find your hope wellspring growing low, uh, to to sort of recharge your your hope?
2: Oh yeah. No, I mean That's a hope good question. is yeah, hope is an act of faith. I think even in Hebrews it says that faith is a certainty of things hoped for. Mm. And, you know, we I'm sure y'all have discussed doubt <laughs> on this. And discuss those times when it's hard to find something to hold faith in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but part of what I do is this is why activists don't work alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is why you find other folks who are working with you in the trenches who can remind you of victories that you have had or things that are on the horizon. Uh, this is when sometimes you take time away to breathe and mm-hmm. to regain perspective. Um and it's just a matter of knowing that things do change over time and nothing in this one particular moment lasts at that rate. So right. it'll, it'll change again tomorrow. Okay. Um, I'm fortunate. I work at an organization that our business is giving hope to folks who are in tough times. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Trevor Project is a suicide prevention organization mm-hmm. for LGBTQ youth. And so, so much of our focus is when Youth who call us in crisis, who don't have a moment of hope, um, they find somebody who will hear them and we don't tell them, oh, it'll get better or, you know, uh, just let it go with these feelings don't mean anything. No, we tell them that your feelings are real Mm -hmm. and to own it and acknowledge where you're at now, but to keep going. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the hope just comes in taking that next step.
3: Yeah, hey Robin. For you, as someone who is responsible for a congregation, certainly your hope barometer starts to get a little bit low every once in a while. I would imagine. What do you, uh, mm-hmm. what do you do? I mean, there's something to be said for powering through, but that's, I mean, Sherry, You and I have talked about the concept of powering through before. Um, that's not always uh, an approach that is a lasting one. That mm-hmm. is a, a way to live a life. What would you do, Robin, when you're when you feel your hope getting low?
4: as being someone who people look
3: to right Uh,
4: right 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 um being hopeful is kind of my job right yeah um i think that that one thing that i do is i i have to cultivate um stillness and quiet within myself Mm. um for me that's also trying to cultivate um a creative outlet for myself Mm -hmm. um So, so something that is not rooted in caring for other people, um, but is just selfish. Um, And then for me, it's also vital that I have a a community of fellow clergy women that I check in with regularly. I Mm. I have friends um, who are, clergy so they understand they're also in the same position that I am in and that we can at times be pastor for one another Um, and I think that that cultivating spaces and relationships where I am not in the relationship of pastor so therefore I'm not expected to be the person that has hope Mm -hmm. um, helps me not lose it. Robin you you called
1: some of that selfish do you think it might be self-preserving rather than selfish yeah because i heard
3: just... that too i was like yeah. selfish that just means <laughs> yeah. like taking well, doing I mean, something for yourself that right? so, like it's like, something yeah, it's like... i
4: should feel guilty about right but right. it's something that's for me yeah and not any i have no responsibility for anybody else's well-being with mm-hmm. with whatever that is that is i'm doing yeah i don't have to take care of anybody right yeah and sometimes
2: that sort of Humility of knowing it's not your job to do all the things at all the times uh-huh. mm-hmm. uh, As an activist, there are times when For me, it I pulls back into my faith Just remembering some of those promises we've been talking about mm-hmm. at church lately mm-hmm. There are a lot of promises that God makes And I can be like, okay, maybe nothing I do is going to work Maybe every law I pass will get struck down by Trump's Supreme Court mm-hmm. Maybe <laughs> everything I do can't go anywhere And that it's just a matter of knowing I have an obligation to try and make things better where I can, but also knowing that it is not my obligation to solve all things. Mm. And you know, there is a promise that there will come a day when there is no more weeping and no more injustice. And so that's call it a backdrop.
4: Mm -hmm. You know, my um, grandmother, who is one of my favorite people on the planet, um, you know, she always will just say, you know, it's in God's hands. It's in God's hands. Yeah, right. And, you know, that right. that is in some ways trite and in some ways flippant and in some ways a cliche and in some ways so true <laughs> um, that it does help to remember that. Right. That
0: mm-hmm. that perha- perhaps perhaps
4: that arc, that moral arc of the universe is far i actually you know um i was just listening to a podcast that follows the revised common lectionary and so it was about um moses dying before he gets into the promised land um and so if we think about the moral arc of the universe bending towards justice we may not get to see it all um just like moses didn't get to see the promised land which was really unfair Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. since he led the people all the way there um yeah. But hope is, is trusting that I'm doing what I can, my part of the puzzle, and that I don't have to see, I may not see all of the pieces fit as they should. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Hope is planting trees that you will never see grow.
1: Mm-hmm. And Eric, you, I mean, you were kind of speaking to that earlier when you were saying that you believe ultimately that things are going to work out, even if you don't like can't name it right then.
0: Yeah, like even if you can't you can't outline all the steps, you can't do all the work, you can only do it in, you know, small batches so that it ultimately plays into the larger role.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do you how do you see hope working in your own life? Like when have you found yourself most hopeful? What what do you think happens? that leads you to feel the most amount of hope?
0: Um, You know, I've been thinking about this, and I think for me, like, a lot of my hope comes, especially, like, in terms of, like, faith and the church. Um, A lot of my hope tends to come from the... from seeing the community work together, Mm -hmm. um, coming together to, to get through hard times together, coming together to help each other out. You know, I think of things like how... I think think Fred Rogers might have said, you know, like in times of crisis, look to the helpers. And Mm -hmm. I see that a lot in our community. And I think that's what helps fuels my hope.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Like, um, yeah, I mean, I think the times that I feel the least hopeful do also tend to be the times I feel the most alone. So I think that there might be a connection between hope Mm -hmm. and community.
5: Yeah. Yeah.
4: You know, as a, I was you know just saying as a pastor that in order to cultivate hope, I have to cultivate time mm-hmm. where I'm not someone's pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the flip side of that is that being invited into important moments in people's lives mm-hmm. and sometimes into their spiritual doubts and questions and sometimes in their hardest heartache um and i think that in those encounters i am so often gifted with opportunities of seeing grace huh. um you know sitting with someone as their partner dies or being in a hospital room or watching children get curious and make discoveries about faith and God, Um, watching people wrestle and doubt and survive and hang on, um, that all of those experiences make me so hopeful. Um, because I get to see both the power of community that Eric was talking about, but I also just get to see how amazing people are, um, and what people survive and what people experience and how people grow or find comfort even with doubt, Mm
1: -hmm.
5: that
4: all of those experiences give me hope. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's some,
1: there's something interesting about watching, like when you really pay attention to how life can unfold, um, there's like, yes, there is, there are some awful, awful, awful things about how life can unfold. But every now and then, if you can watch those parts, Robin, I think, yeah, that there's something to really bring us hope uh, within seeing kind of the magic of how things can unfold. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: Or how people can support each other, even when the, the horrible that you mentioned happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Which it will, which it will.
4: What were you about to say, Casey?
2: Oh, just that when I think about the things that give me hope, it tends to come in small doses each day um whether that is the moment where i get to see today's LGBT kids who have a freedom or a happiness about them that my generation didn't have Mm -hmm. Uh and sometimes Mm -hmm. i'll see that and that'll show me okay this is what this is what those fights were for and to see that payoff 10 years later but in some ways even the things that give me the most hope come in some of the most surprising moments I have sat across the table from people who just did not understand my community, did not understand what it meant to um, feel excluded from churches, that sort of thing. And to have one of those folks, after going hammer and tongs in a debate for, in some cases, years, um, to see the stone across their heart shift just Mm. a little bit. Uh, maybe the door doesn't open maybe it'll even slide back but to catch those moments where understanding happens i mean because that's a thing that so many people tell you not to hope for that kind of change
3: don't get your hopes up
2: <laughs> right don't get your hopes up don't spend your time on those people they're hopeless and yep. it's in those moments where in the hopeless conversations where i see something happen that it's not because i'm a terribly persuasive person or because of anything like that, sometimes I just get to see Grace move and it doesn't happen often but that'll sustain you for another day's walk on a tough road.
3: Yeah. When when you see uh, somebody losing hope or or hope that was lost um, using the the mathematical equation from from earlier, says teacher Paul, um, do you see that as a as a not uh, as a less of a recognition of the anger side of it? Or is it a loss of loss of courage? You were talking about that relationship between anger and courage.
2: It's a relationship, but it's not a mathematical relationship. Mm. It's that they are everything is tied in ball. and where yeah, they yes, they yes. travel together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm a lawyer. I'm not a mathematician. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, I mean, loss of hope is one of those things that happens, mm. and we see is through a glass darkly, which means that we're not always going to be able to keep our eyes on that thing that we're keeping our hope in. So if I find somebody is in a place where they're losing hope, um, that's a moment to come alongside them and listen. That's not a moment to talk, and certainly not a moment mm. to tell them that they have lost sight of what's important right because right. uh-huh. what they're seeing is important
3: you're not angry enough you don't have enough courage you don't right
4: well there's that's, no value to that
3: yeah there's nothing there's nothing <laughs> there right?
4: that that's part of the beauty of community to me is that there are times where if my hope is waning someone else can hope for me in that moment hmm. Um, I think that, um, that an, an example of that, that that just comes to mind and was, was very powerful in my life is I, and most of you all know that Marty and I had a really hard time having children um, and that that took quite some time for us and some help. Um, and my stepmother, uh, before Sophia was conceived, Um, my stepmother, um, needle pointed her, um, this beautiful quilt
5: Mm.
4: and that was, and she, and it was, it wasn't really even something that she told me about, so it wasn't something that became pressure as right. Great. Now they're making baby crap. Um, (laughs) She didn't tell me about it, but she did it. And that was like her prayers for me. And that was her hoping for me. Mm. Right that it was going to happen. And then once we did get pregnant and she gifted us with that, I got to see the hope, right? I know how much time it took to needle point this big uh, quilt. So um, I got to see at that point, the amount of hope that she had had for me when I had very little for myself. Uh Um, So that's, You know, we need we need the the cynics like Eric to keep (laughs) us from like going all off off into optimism, right? Like he keeps the optimist grounded. I think Um, and keeps you know people from going all the way into la la land. Yeah, Um, yeah. But there are times when we hope for one another so that we don't feel the pressure to do it for ourselves. I think it's just too much. I
0: think if there's if you were to like if you were somehow able to like chart you know, the collective hope of a group or a community, I think it would be interesting because I think we all keep ourselves, you know, in check towards that kind of dull average. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you know, some days X person might be more hopeful than Y person Mm -hmm. and it shifts and we all help balance each other out. And I think that's Mm -hmm. an importance with community, whether it be, you know, a faith community or some other kind of community community. i think that's what makes it really difficult for folks who might find themselves feeling very alone that can make Mm -hmm. it really hard to find that hope
2: Uh absolutely and there's a value to be had in being the person who you know when things all seem to be rosy and going well and being the folks the person who says Look ahead; it might not always be this good. Yep. And yes, I say this is right. part of the finance committee, whose job is to budget. <laughs> <laughs> In those moments when you know things are rolling, you want to set aside a rainy day fund. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So there's value to be thinking about things that way as well.
5: Yeah,
3: and that you're done. I mean, there were people, you know, uh, right after uh, Barack Obama was elected, that says, finally we've made it. We're here. We're done. Right? All of our things have paid off and we finally have reached the finish line on something, whatever that might've been the felt sense at the time. Yet here we are. So, you know, that, that sense of arrival at a destination being the end of hope can be, uh, I don't know if dangerous is the right word, but does one always have to be on the lookout for, uh what am i trying to say sherry right does does somebody have to be on the lookout to make sure that their hope is not sidetracked by this feeling of arrival or this feeling of being done or this feeling of accomplishment sometime or
2: so i think it's about what you have hope in uh as a political activist and a lawyer no, don't put your hope in politicians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever <laughs> party, yeah, whatever space on that. So what? What is the bedrock?
3: That's going to be the subtitle of this episode, I think. Is yeah. don't put your
2: hope in. <laughs> right, yeah. but just knowing where your bedrock is, so anything yeah. that isn't bedrock can come and go.
1: Right. Right. Well, I think you know, Paul thinking about like the Obama campaign. I mean, hope was literally that. yeah. Right. Right. Code. That was the poster, right? right? Yeah, but then once he gets elected, it's not as though i mean i think maybe to some extent that's why we need the cynics in the world so that we don't like when we achieve something just say yay we did it now life is great there's we need somebody who's going to be like yeah but what about that other thing yeah and then like you know in the moment we might think oh what a buzzkill but we need we need the people that are always saying yeah what else let's keep going um but yeah so i don't know i think um I think, Casey, the idea of like not like staking a claim in a particular moment, like, this is the campaign. This is going to make everything better. It's There's always going to be a next campaign, right? Or a next politician, or mm-hmm. what have you. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I'd say, I mean, be careful about putting your hope in transient things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are things that fade away. And when that happens, if that's what you built your house on, congratulations, you need a new foundation.
4: Yeah. there's going to be ebbs and flows in life that yeah. they right there's, there's that moral arc isn't going to be a straight line mm-hmm. going in the right direction oh, um, so you've got to be prepared for setbacks and defeat and heartache and all of those things that can suck the hope right out of us
2: mm-hmm. yeah and that's when hope matters mm-hmm. most hope you don't need so much hope when everything's happening mm-hmm. right it's Right. Finding a way to have hope and not be obnoxious about it when things are hard,
3: mm-hmm. or there is the boy, everything is great right now. I hope it stays this way. Kind of, kind of mentality that uh, is is an interesting one uh, to find oneself in sometimes too. You know,
1: I never hope things stay. Like I, I'm <laughs> always like maybe I don't know. I'm kind of. Like as soon as something's going well, I get really, really nervous because it means it's definitely gonna fail anytime. Um, yeah.
3: <laughs> I quote I quote Terrence McKenna in every episode of Faith Made nothing lasts. Just everybody know, nothing lasts. Right?
1: <laughs> you really do. Uh, it's kind of amazing. Yeah. <sighs> Interesting. I I was just gonna say I start every episode hoping I hope Paul doesn't mention Terrence McKenna yeah, again. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Yeah. So, Robin, uh, was the candle lit today? Was this a uh, is this candle lighting?
4: So we're recording a week in advance. Okay, okay, which means that by the time people listen to this, we will have just lit the candle. Today okay,
3: before. so what what this means is that I don't quite know when Advent starts. I guess as well. <laughs> just, we just sort of found out, right? Because um, then know it's like right around Thanksgiving, so it's the week after, I guess. Well, this, this year, this it year, is. yeah, it, this it year. It's depends
4: on how the calendar falls. Right, um, right.
3: Yes. So from uh listeners uh the candle has been lit uh yesterday right by an anderson and uh which one remains to be seen do you know if it's going to be you or marty or, or we who? are
4: actually hoping to take the advent wreath to a church member's oh that's deck or super porch and have them light it oh, that's amazing
3: it. that's amazing um in the context of uh, a liturgical advent candle lighting or, or within a liturgical calendar or any sort of you know church based way what does hope what does hope mean for a church like when you when you light it as an advent candle symbolic of hope what do you bring to that while you're what's your intention of it robin when you when you when you when you do that um well i think
4: the the intention is is so this advent is the beginning of the liturgical year
5: Uh
4: um so the first sunday of advent is like new year's Mm -hmm. for church um and so that's that's the the first sunday uh and i I, I think there is value just like you may have a state of the union address or um new year's resolutions or intentions Um, there is, is value in beginning the year journey together Mm -hmm. with that touchstone of hope and then peace and then joy and then love. Um, I mean, those in some ways would be like the foundation of a a meaningful life. Right. Mm -hmm. And so not the worst way to
3: start. A, not, the, not the worst way to start a year.
4: Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and that's one of the things that I wanted to do on today's episode was to ask our, we have, you know, we have a church council member and we have our finance chair. I kind of am curious what y'all's hopes are for the church as we start this like church new year. What are your hopes, Eric, for the church mm. as a church council member?
0: I mean, You know, I think our hope, my hope right now as a church council member is just to get us through this pandemic
5: uh,
0: (laughs) intact, Uh you know, and I think we're doing a a halfway decent job of doing that, and my hope is just that we continue to to be there and to reach out with each other and to, I mean, this is just, you know, I hate this, I hate the phrase, these unprecedented times, but... (laughs) You know, it really is unprecedented, and I think my biggest hope is just that we're able to um, come through this stronger than we went into it. Mm. Mm-hmm.
2: Nice. Yeah, um, my hopes for the church really are about that as a community, we continue to find ways to connect and to grow in depth of connection. I think this is a season of uh, going deeper, mm-hmm. um, perhaps then going wider. Mm-hmm. So this is a season to, uh, I think, grow and learn about the needs of caring for the least of us mm-hmm. yeah. and um, helping each other along in times of struggle. I think that there's a lot of, I think there's value to that, even though I would never have wished for this season, mm-hmm. it's about finding what we can take from it. And part of that is finding the ways that we can see each other and maybe see things that we haven't seen before this.
5: Mm
3: -hmm. Do you see that as something that you're recognizing?
2: Uh, In some ways. Yeah. I think we're having some different conversations Mm. uh, about what the core of church is, what the priorities are, uh, what it looks like to hold a worship service or Mm. to um, do spiritual education. Yeah. I think things like even like this podcast these are conversations we didn't have before and because we're meeting over different mediums or hearing each other in different ways, I think there's value in that
3: yeah in a non way Robin, do you see any uh, any anything emerging from the way that things are going now with um, how the service is being run to you know this podcast you know, it's kind of all the things all the changes that I had to make going deeper instead of wider with this uh, what do you think is going to stick? after this pandemic is over
4: um i hope <laughs> <laughs> that right right now we're having conversations about what what are the connection points for different people hmm. um realizing that online worship is some people's favorite thing that we've ever done, and they want that forever. Mm-hmm. And for other people, it's just hard to connect uh-huh. through online worship. Yeah, right. Um, I think that the podcast is something that some people will never, ever listen to, and other people yes. will be thinking and asking questions and listening and connecting in a way that they had not before. Mm -hmm. And so one thing that I think that is exciting that's happening right now is where we're getting out of the formulas because none of the formulas work
3: in this context.
4: And we're figuring out how do we make points of connection for different groups of people. Mm
5: -hmm. And we
4: realize that we can't settle for just one new formula. Mm-hmm. Because it's not going to work for everybody. Um, so this is—it's—it's it's forcing us to think creatively, and it's forcing us to think outside of the box, and it's forcing us to think about one another. Ooh. And I hope that all of that sticks, whether these formats stick or not. Right. I hope that asking the questions. I think that that for me one place where my anger and my hope connect deeply right now is when I think about the American church
5: mm.
4: that that particularly white American churches are going to hell I mean mm. just, there 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 are parts of the institutional predominantly white american way of doing church that absolutely needs to die Mm. and i Mm -hmm. think in order for the entire institution to not just die we've 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 got to cultivate some seeds right that can become new life Mm -hmm. um And I'm biased about this faith community because I adore this faith community. Mm -hmm. But I think that if there is a little engine that could, (laughs) that is willing to try and do that work of thinking outside of the box and is willing to let what needs to die, die. Mm
5: -hmm.
4: This faith community is, is, is one that, that I have hope will be on board with that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it could be, it could be very exciting in terms of birthing something that really goes back closer to what the early church was and is rooted in like the teaching and the principles of Jesus Mm -hmm. as opposed to Mm
5: -hmm.
4: partisanship and power and nationalism Mm -hmm.
2: I mean, I hear you 100% on that element of there's there's been an, a, a sense of anger of looking at what has been prioritized in some ways by the American church mm-hmm. in this season. Because I started out with a saying that it's about, uh, you know, we've had to pare down to the essentials, really, and figure out what's essential and what's yeah. core yeah. to how we do church and how we do faith together. And I think it's just been really clear looking around that in some places it's not the essentials that are being prioritized Mm -hmm. and to the extent of when i see churches gathering in a way that spreads disease and almost Uh mocks god by saying you know what i believe god will protect me from this disease so i'm going to pack a room full of people with no masks right and no no safety measures that's a thing where uh you learn by contrast of this is a group of people who is not prioritizing the essentials of church, Mm -hmm. which is about showing faith in God and taking care of people and loving your neighbor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So to the extent that this is a, this moment is a crucible and it shows who we are Mm -hmm. and what we value. Mm -hmm. And I do, I am glad that at least a Commonwealth, we seem to be showing that what we value is, loving our neighbors and finding a way to be welcoming, even when that means doing it across the internet or finding other ways to gather that we've never done before and that don't feel normal or familiar to us. So keep finding the courage to seek out the thing that matters and to have Mm -hmm. hope that, you know, church can be church the way that God envisions it. Yeah. Uh Yeah.
4: And as much as I hate how long this, Period is going, <laughs> I, I I can find value in it. In that, you know, for the first six months, I would say as the church professional, it was just utterly exhausting yeah. because we were having to rethink absolutely everything. You know, it was like we decided on a Friday that we couldn't safely meet for church on a Sunday Uh and we had Friday and Saturday to figure out how, how do, how do we do an online service? Uh Um, And so at first it was just like getting bulldozed with like a paintball gun (laughs) of just boom, 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 boom. Like, all this has to change, and it all has to change right now. Very, You've very got to quickly. It out yeah. right now, and everybody had that going on in their personal lives too, right? Yeah, right. yeah. Because that that was happening on all of your jobs and with school and and all of that too. So it was kind of like every human out for themselves at first, but I feel like now we're we're settled enough into this and people have kind of gotten through some of that fatigue so that, that now there is a little creative energy. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's different people coming saying, Hey, I think we can connect this way. You know, Sherry's like, why don't we start a podcast? Yeah. Sunday school format where people Hmm. would actually have a dialogue. And so there's a group of people trying to figure out how do we do this? And we know the pastors don't have time to do it right now. So how do we do this? Right. Um Yeah. And, and so that that's ex- exciting, and mm-hmm. and there really is potential for some of this, getting back to the basics, and even birthing something new that that needs to stick. Right. And I think
1: what you were just describing, Robin, to me reminded me of why. Um, the I think the role that this church plays in a lot of our lives in terms of giving, bringing hope to us also speaks to why moving into the pandemic was so challenging for a lot of us. Because this church, um, you know, in the larger landscape of Christianity, this church for a lot of us is a beacon of hope, right? This church, there are a lot of people in this church that wouldn't be doing church anymore, Mm -hmm. If it weren't for this congregation. Right. Um, I know that that is at least true for this household. Um, and so here is this place that we have come to think of as our beacon of hope that we can't get access to. And so I think that like the, the fact that it only took us about six months before we could get back to creativity is pretty good actually Mm -hmm. considering like, um, Yeah, you're right. Like we all we all lost like our footing all at the same time. Um, And so we had to figure out like sort of in in small like moments, how do we find hope again and how do we get back there?
3: Yeah. And and to do that, I mean, if the pandemic ended in a week or a month, none of it would have stuck. Right. Mm -hmm. Everything would have just kind of gone back to the way that it always had been. No harm, no foul. Let's never speak of it again. And I'll see you guys on on Sunday. Right. The, for things to change, they actually have to last long enough to force the conversations and to force the solutions um, that are required in order to make something go forward. And um, the pandemic will will last as long as it does until those lessons stick. And, and we see the wisdom in doing things a new way now that technology has given us the luxuries of being able to do things in new and interesting ways. Back when I was uh, – we talk about the old Lutherans every once in a while, Robin, in and, and these podcasts, right? Um, we used to record sermons on cassette tapes and mail them out uh, to <laughs> – to, to people and, ooh, wow, they're really doing some cool stuff over there. You know, every every Wednesday I get a cassette that was mailed to me that I can put in my cassette deck and, and listen to. And then they would mail it back and we were re record another one for them on, on top of it. How times have changed. And uh, how, how times have changed. And, you know, it, it's interesting that maybe that's what it takes. Six months, you know, is what it takes for the expectations of things remembered to to sort of vanish and to embrace new ways of doing things to see the potential of of doing so and to see the value of doing things the old ways not you know not by how how many congregations have have adopted them over the millennia but based on uh, the red words in the New Testament and those first four books and, and how that church looks like you know and so how do you how do you take the red words in the, in the first four four chapters of the New Testament and stick them together with Zoom and the internet and <laughs> do something, do something cool um, that can not just be a solution,
0: but can actually move things forward. The Thomas Jefferson Zoom Bible. Yeah, <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think something what sometimes gives me hope in humanity, you know, thinking about this kind of things and the broader sense is the creativity and problem solving acumen that we have as and I think, um, I think that gives me hope that we will get through this pandemic because like Robin was saying, you know, we're finding new and interesting creative solutions to a problem that we hadn't had before And so.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, it's a nice reminder that we are better together, right? Like, um, I mean, Eric and I were watching service this morning and we'd been doing the tech stuff for the church for a little while. And so we saw a thing that we didn't think to do in the service this yeah, morning. And yeah, I'm like, exactly. ooh. I'm going to tell him that was a brilliant idea. A idea. I never yeah. thought to do that. Like
3: You didn't just... say, how dare they do that?
1: That's not the way <laughs> it. No, it's like brilliant. Uh, yeah. Cause we're better together. Um, and I think that gives me a lot of hope.
2: Yeah. I mean, I was just listening to this conversation and thinking about all the lessons we're learning at all. At some point we're going to have a lot of pastors referring to this as kind of the old Testament period of the church, the 40 days in the wilderness. <laughs> <laughs> and Right. That this is a thing that, and that's the thing the church has always done. Way back when, they would point to their memories of the hard times that they did a journey together, and because they had that memory of we got through that, uh-huh. it gave them hope to be able to say, and we can get through this next thing. Yeah. Uh. Very much in my personal life, I had long had as like one of my greatest fears was I live alone, and something was going to happen that would make it so I couldn't take care of myself. Mm and that was something that kept me up at night fairly often and then a year ago i had a stroke Uh and could not take care of myself literally couldn't get up off the ground and it was people in this church who kind of gathered around and helped me literally got me to the hospital and then were able to take care of me for the time after that as i recovered Uh and because i had that terrible time period i now have the confidence to know that And if something like that happens again, I've got a community Mm -hmm. that's got got my back. I'm not afraid the same way I was before Mm -hmm. that. Uh And I think that what this time will give us in the way of hope in the future is the knowledge that, okay, we will have gotten through this. And 10, 15, 20 years down the line, if we face some kind of major challenge again, there will be the memory of, but we got through 2020. Uh (laughs) Yeah. Having gotten through 2020, we'll get through this. Uh And that, I think, is a source Mm -hmm. of hope.
4: Yeah. And as, as we talk about this, I, I do think that, that it, it should be said that we are aware that up to this point, over 250,000 people in our country alone have, have died from COVID. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't want this conversation to sound like those deaths are not important because gee, we're learning stuff. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Um, or we got through this. Not everybody did. Yeah. Right. right. Yes. Right. Yes. Like, ha ha. You know, um, but the the flip side of that is, wouldn't it also be awful if we had the same amount of sickness and the same amount of death, And we learned nothing. Yeah. And we didn't grow at all. Um, and and I I think that that what is one of the the beauties of of God is I I am not someone who my my faith does not um set well with an idea that God causes all of the trauma Mm -hmm. and bad things that happen in our personal lives and in the world. But what we see over and over and over again through Scripture is that that God is present in the midst of those things, and that that God can use those things, those times, um, to plant little seeds that that grow into something new um, and flourish, cause flourishing. Um, so there's a the distinction there, right? I, I don't want this conversation to make light of those deaths or to at all suggest that they're worth it because we've gained something. Yeah. Um, who knows? I could be the next one to go from it. Um, but these are opportunities to look for what's new and to allow some sort of redemptive transformation to take place Mm. through it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I
1: think, I don't know. When I think about hope, I don't think of it as a gleeful thing. I do very much think of it as something that has the backdrop of what Casey described, anger and courage. So I think that that's a very real thing to acknowledge, Robin. Like, Mm -hmm. like our treatment of hope is not we are not experiencing gleeful celebration. We are we're trying to figure out what can we cultivate? what, What do we have the courage to do in the midst of our anger?
2: Yeah. Every December um, that I've been part of Commonwealth, the Advent season, the four candles of Advent have not been the only four candles we've lit. Mm -hmm. We've lit candles in our blue Christmas Uh service. Yeah, right. And that service is not the opposite of the Advent candles. It is not about acknowledging something that's the opposite of hope, but it is the recognition that in grief there is a kind of hope you know that all of these things peace hope they are not just saccharine and light but that there's a depth to it mm-hmm. and that god can be there in that depth so yeah no when we say that we have hope it is a hope that encompasses the candle we light on blue christmas too mm-hmm. well,
4: it's beautifully said mm-hmm. well casey yeah. activist lawyer
1: oh wait yeah cool well this has been a great conversation it's interesting every time i feel like i'm about to talk about hope i never know exactly what i'm gonna get but it's always an interesting journey um so thanks to our guests for being on with us today Mm -hmm. um
3: Cool. Um, I have one last question if I can ask. No, Paul, we're uh, out anybody... of time. This is a good one though. <laughs> I saved the I saved the best for last, right? Uh, Robin Casey, if anybody in our congregation uh, feel like feels like their hope is starting to wane a little bit, you know, and feeling kind of down, uh, what do you say? What do you want to tell them? Or any of our listeners, right? What do you yeah. want to say?
4: Well. Uh... The first thing I mean for particularly for our congregation, the first thing I'd say is call someone. Hmm. Um that we, we may not know what's going on um deep within someone, but in this community there's definitely someone that cares. Hmm. And that's probably a, a true for wider community as well. You know, I'm just with you know a, a hotline. Hmm. Calling picking up the phone and calling the hotline. Yeah. Um, Can remind you that even a stranger hears. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, there, there's stuff with you know gratitude journals and looking for what you have to be grateful for and all that kind of stuff that that is value in it. But I think that when you're in the depths, um, cry out to someone, Mm. whether that's God or picking up the phone.
2: Yeah, hopelessness is a quicksand pit and the way out of it is to either go forward or go back uh look remember you the memories of when of the things that are worth having hope in and the times that you got out of other pits and looking forward to the things that the next day the next step and the, the next meeting on your calendar
5: hmm.
2: and uh-huh. seeing that and if you can't find a tree branch to pull yourself out of in either of those directions that's Make a call uh-huh. and there will be somebody who will be there to pick up and help pull you out of that pit.
4: And if awesome. you're too exhausted to make the call, take a nap <laughs> and then make the call. Yeah. Lots to be said about that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, awesome.
3: absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Eric,
1: what would you say to that? I don't know. What uh, would you say to somebody without hope?
0: I don't know if I would have any blanket answer other than to be someone who would, who would listen. To. Uh-huh.
1: Find the person I would listen to. Mm -hmm.
0: Cool. Yeah. All
1: right. Thanks, y'all.
3: Thanks, everybody. It was wonderful to talk to everyone. Casey, it was wonderful to meet you, and we'll see everybody soon.
5: All right. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye bye.
3: This podcast is produced by Sherry Spiegel, Paul Fitzgerald, and This Most Unbelievable Life. For more information, please check us out at www.thismostunbelievablelife.com.